The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletical Physical Therapy and CDW. Welcome in, everybody, to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Good to have our producers, Jordan Treadup and Dan Barilli, helping us out as well as we inch closer to a full squad on the field practice, Tom. Maybe in the next week and a half or so, as Modified Training Camp 2020 rolls out, we're setting the stage for you and a uh, very hopeful about the 2020 season. It goes on without a hitch. Uh, Heard Danny Trevathan uh, yesterday, Tom. You know, they're, they're going about this not knowing for sure if they're even going to play. Yeah, but I was really re- inspired by the response of Danny Trevathan, saying that these guys are a bunch of professionals and they're all going to go about their business the right way, inside the building and outside the building, probably more importantly. And as we heard on Thursday, 14 assistant coaches were available. I mean, it was a smorgasbord, Tom. You know I've always liked when the assistants get to talk because they get real in-depth with their guys. So we're going to hear a bunch from Mike Fury. We're going to hear from John Filippo, Jay Rogers, Chris Tabor on this call. We're also going to hear a little Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan throughout the show. And then Happy Hank. <laughs> Happy Hank. Does everybody know who Happy Hank was? Circa 2002. Hey, you know, it's, they're going to have to jog your memory because there's probably not a lot of positive reflections in terms of football. But what he was able to accomplish is a Hall of Fame career. Right. In the Canadian Football League, Henry Burris, who's now part of the uh, Bill Walsh Minority Fellowship Program with the Bears. So he's up at Hallis Hall working with the offense and Matt Nagy and the quarterbacks. And so that'll be a insightful conversation with a very engaging uh, player uh, here at, at that time. But uh, as Tom pointed out, he's uh, now in his 40s and he put together a Hall of Fame career in the Canadian Football League, does some TV work up at TSN in Canada, which is a big network, uh, not unlike ESPN here in the States. I want to focus, though, on Bill Lazor, Tom, because the offensive coordinator trying to learn everybody and, and get to know what exactly the plan is going to be. I know the run game means a lot to you and I. We're old school football guys, and that was uh, that was right up your alley as an offensive lineman for the Bears uh, during your time with Chicago and uh, Notre Dame career, too, and at Joliet Catholic. So the run game resonates with us. Before I play what he has to say about what's critical in designing a run game, just from what you've been able to piece together, and what do you think the run game will look like that it didn't look like last year? Well, I think outside the new approach by Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach, assisted by Barone, the, uh, the tight ends coach, you know, I think it's the opportunity to put David Montgomery into the second year of the system because Matt Nagy was trying to build an offense and really didn't know what David Montgomery was capable of. So I really think that increases the profile of the offense because David Montgomery can do it all. He can block, he can run the ball, he can avoid tackles, and he can catch the ball equally as well. And I think that's a really important starting point of the combination, a new O-line approach to David Montgomery. All right, Bill Lazor, earlier this week, on the critical aspects of designing the run game. Personally, I think it's critical. I think the, the real critical part of it is that everyone's together on how it's designed, because there are different ways to get it done. There are some teams that are great run teams that are zone schemes. There are some teams that are great run teams that are more man schemes. So there are a lot of ways to do it. I think the, the, the key is that 
you have everyone understanding this is our philosophy of how we're going to run the ball. This is what's important to us. This is how your technique has, has to match it and how we coordinate everyone together with the calls, with the timing, with the formations. To me, more than the specific, and I hope I'm answering your question, more than the specific run is how you install it, how you teach it, how you practice it so everyone is together and that the techniques that they work on during their individual periods and then their competition periods against the defense, you know, O-line versus D-line, tight end versus outside backer. They're all those things streamline and direct towards this is how we want to run the football. Uh, the, the, the next level for the coaches then is, okay, this is what we want to be. Here are the players we have, right? To some degree in a given year, you can direct your player acquisition towards the vision you have of running the ball. But to some degree, you don't. You also have to evaluate the players you have once you finally put pads on. I believe we will eventually, right? And then make decisions. Tom, what do you think? You know, he's saying the right things because that's how you have to go the evaluation process of properly putting together a running game. It's really complicated. I know it seems easy, like run that way and throw the ball to David Montgomery. It's more intricately designed. It is very choreographed. So to take these guys from the classroom to the grass field with cleats on and no equipment, and then to the equipment and the, and the you know the battlegrounds of the offense and defensive line, it's totally three different uh, teaching phases. But you, everything that he's taken into account in terms of you have to first of all evaluate your weaponry that you have to see what you can do and how aggressive you can be. So I heard uh, Juan Castillo the other day, and he mentioned uh, Brian Westbrook as David Montgomery. And that means a lot more in the passing game, which you and I both have discussed is a very real possibility of David Montgomery. You know, yes, you have Tariq Cohen. You definitely have Tariq Cohen in that regard, too. But David Montgomery in the passing game is also a weapon. You know the greatest thing about David Montgomery, Jeff? is his toughness has already been tested. You know that if he has to carry the ball up the middle of the field 20 or 30 times a game, he's willing to do that repeatedly, and he can do it very well. However, if he can bring that dynamic of catching the ball out of the backfield away from eight, nine-man lines of scrimmage, you're going to see open territory for him. He know, they know he's the tough guy. Now they got to make sure they understand that he can be the receiver that they want in a running back. I don't remember what play it was, uh, what team I know of the play, but he was running down the seam out of the backfield, and he had to adjust, turn completely around, twisted his body, and make the catch. I think he's a, a really good ball tracker, and I think he is uh, able to then get his feet and shoulders back in, in line and, and get upfield and make some yards after the catch in that regard. How flexible is he, in your opinion, with that in terms of his hips and whatnot? You know, we've seen that from when he got here, how fluid he was in catching balls just as easy as, you know, playing catch between he and the quarterback and running distance routes. You know, one thing about David Montgomery, when you see that type of play, he can go to the line of scrimmage, lined up in the backfield or the line of scrimmage and be the primary receiver of the route. And that's a great trait to have because – when you think of the wheel route and the history of Soldier Field, Jeff, yeah. there's one play that comes to mind, and you know how effective it was. So if we can see David Montgomery do that once a game, you know, three times every five games, you're talking about the possibility of a big play. Now, we also hear that there is going to be 
plenty of opportunities for the very explosive Cordell Patterson. Mike Fury said so. Do we anticipate him being in the backfield? I think he wants to be. You and I have had the opportunity to interview him before on Bears All Access, and we asked him, do you want to play at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield? And he said, in the backfield. So I think he's capable of offering you a lot more. He can be a ball carrier. He can take a pitch, get to the outside. They can throw him a screen or they can have a matchup that's favorable to Cordero and send him downfield. So, you know, the offense may expand in terms of the the defense's fear of it when they got Cordero in the in the backfield. That's top there. I'm Jeff Joniak. We're going to step away. When we come back, we'll listen in to... John D. Filippo on his view and trust of Nick Foles, and also hear more Bill Lazor on Mitch Trubisky. And his initial impressions are as the Bears quarterback battle will be one of the top stories in the National Football League this year. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff and Tom with you as we break down the Bears and get ready for their on-field performances. Can't wait to get up to Alice Hall and check things out. lot to uh, clear in terms of hurdles, and so far so good. You know, the COVID testing in the league has, has gone on daily, and only about 2.2% of players have been tested positive. They got to keep it now. They got to be vigilant about it. Everybody seems to be on board with this, and this is what they got to do. And you just hope they can sustain over the course of the season. That that's really my biggest concern. Yeah, you know, you have to treat everybody as an equal, though, Jeff. You know, one thing about football, and you earn seniority, you kind of earn a little bit of priorities inside and outside the building in terms of the team. So when you have this, you have to make sure that everybody is understand how important they are to the outside the building success of this football team. So you want to make number one feel like 60, and you want to make 60 feel like number one. John Filippo, the Bears' new quarterback coach, spent a lot of time talking about the quarterbacks, as you might expect, but also other things about his coaching style and whatnot this week, and he's a very – and hands-on, engaging coach. He speaks his mind. He's not afraid to tell a guy when he's doing something incorrect, and he'll get on you a bit, but he also pats you on the back as well. He does both, and that's a definition of a teacher. John Filippo, an expansive answer, Tom, on why he trusts Nick Foles from his experience with him in Philadelphia. First off, I think, number one, Nick is a great person, and so obviously that gives you trust that he's doing the right things not only in our building, but outside our building. You know, he's not going to be one of those guys that's, you know, he's got two young kids. He just had a son born not long ago. Um, so, you know, his wife, Tori, is awesome. Um, so uh, he's going to be doing the right things on and off the field, which I think gains you respect not only of the building, but of your teammates, more importantly. And then, you know, obviously he's, he's been around, you know, the guys that are touch him the most during the day, whether it be our head coach, whether it be our offensive coordinator, myself. You know, we all have different experiences. You know, with Nick, uh, from, you know, Matt being his quarterback coach and uh, from Coach Laser being his, his quarterback coach when he was younger to me being his quarterback coach when we won a Super Bowl and he was a little bit more of a veteran. Uh, so we all have seen Nick in different stages. So we kind of know what we're getting there from a, you know, from a growth standpoint and what he can handle from a growth standpoint mentally and physically. And then, you know, Nick does such a great job of taking care of his body. Uh, you know, he's always going to be there and available. Uh, you know, he's – He's just a guy that you, that you really trust in, and he knows the offense. And, you know, the majority of it, not all of it, but most of it. Uh, 
and there's some new things he's got to learn, and we're challenging him to do that and, and do some things are a different way than he's been used to, and he's been totally open and honest with that. So that's all you can ask for a guy when you're trying to, you know, gauge the trust factor. You know, one thing about Nick Foles and his further advancement is going to be understanding the talent. He knows this offense, and he can make tweaks and changes the better he learns it or it's repetitiously presented in front of him. But he doesn't know how Jimmy Graham runs around. He doesn't know the value of Allen Robinson, the Tree Cones, the David Montgomery's, and all the other cast of characters. So when you go through these reps on the field, you're paying attention not only to the player calling, but you're, you're paying attention to the type of talent that you're seeing. He did also admit that the man is at a disadvantage, taking the words of Matt Nagy, from not being here during the offseason, as the case was. Do you agree? Oh, I agree 100%. But that's every position, every player in the NFL. There's going to be some type of setback that you're going to have to overcome, but the veterans know how to do it best. All right, now let's look at Bill Lazor's view of Mitchell Trubisky so far. Really get to understand what he's all about, just not from watching tape. He's shown his great recall, which I think is, is a critical part for the quarterback. I mean, we, when, when, a, when we're talking about installing a play, he can talk about you know, when it was put in, why it was put in, what the situations were, even, even what happened. And I just think, you know, one of the, the keys, like when a quarterback hears a play in a huddle, there's got to be recall. And the recall has got to be not only – what is this play that's called, right, to put it simply. But the reason why the best quarterbacks in the league are typically, you know, the older quarterbacks, the reason why the older quarterbacks, if they can do it physically, just get better and better and better is because their recall is also a library of all the experiences they've had playing that play, right? So we get to the point where it's hard to fool them anymore because they've seen all the defenses. Well, Mitch has shown me, that he has that ability to recall. So I'd say that that would be one thing that stands out on the field. Again, he, he hasn't been in a situation where they, the quarterbacks can go full speed yet, but in our walkthrough situations, if we ask him to do something that's different, he's able to do it. If, if something comes up and we say, you know what, I don't, we don't want to do that situation this year. Maybe it's a brand new cadence. You know, it sounds like a simple thing, but, but, he can he can take it and change it and make the correction and go with it and so uh, just like with any learner you want a guy that you can get through to or a guy that can take it from the classroom and then walk out onto the walk through grass and put it right into action and he's 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 shown that so far and uh, you know next level will be when it gets to be full speed exactly you know first stage of evaluation is the classroom but how do you transfer recall to onto the field because. You know, we can all sit there and understand something that's drawn up on the board in front of us, and we can answer the questions. But when you take the snap of the ball and you feel that rush coming at you, now you see how officially are you having this recall where you can go from A to B to C with great immediacy. Which brings up another question because he's worked on his footwork. He's, he's altered things in how he goes about his mechanics. In a, in a situation like that, that's a lot maybe new that he's thinking about and he's understanding the offense because he's been in it, but they've tweaked it. They've got new coaches. He's got new voices in his head. Will you be watching that early on in camp to see how he's processing all of that? If you think. You're beat. <laughs> right. And I think when you talk about all the processes that Mitch went through throughout the offseason to get himself better, it's not something he can be thinking about. He just has to be doing naturally because he repped them so many times, he's just fluid at it now. 
Okay, then you take the information and you bring that to the line of scrimmage. Mitch also has to go through that process of knowing what he just said, not thinking as the ball's being snapped. That could be the most destructive thing to him. So, again, it's about taking that recall and putting it in motion. Tom, we know what Juan Castillo wants in the run game. He wants, he wants to mash. He wants to get up there, be physical. Can you be as physical in the pass game? You know what, Jeff? If they are physical in the running game, that's going to help every element of the further parts of the offense. And so what I mean there, if the defensive front has to respect the dominance of the run game of the Chicago Bears, now all of a sudden you get a team and you start throwing a little bit more play action in there that can expose Mitch to the running game or easy passes because there's focusing on stopping the run. That's an offensive lineman's dream right there. That's a head coach's goal in life is to run the ball so well that it puts fear in the defense. And then when you run the ball, it opens up that downfield passing game even better because there's a lot of guys playing at the line of scrimmage trying to slow it down then all of a sudden you take an advantage up because there's limited numbers trying to cover. That's Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Coming up next, former Bears quarterback. One NFL start in his entire career and then a huge takeoff in the Canadian Football League. Henry Burris, now one of the Bears' assistant coaches, helping out in training camp. We'll talk to him next on Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Tide Cleaners is now offering new Tide Complete Care. This exclusive cleaning formula can only be found at Tide Cleaners. Visit TideCleaners.com to learn more today. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, and joined by a man we last saw here in Chicago anyway. And if I'm not right, you got to correct me, Henry. Back in 2002 with the Chicago Bears, the quarterback Henry Burris, who went on to have a Hall of Fame career in the Canadian Football League, Kind enough to spend some time now, a member of the Bears coaching staff here during training camp. What a great, great, great career you've had and a great journey, Henry. How the heck did that all fall into place? <laughs> well, first of all, Jeff, Tom, I mean, thank you both for having me on. And, yeah, it's been a long time uh, since we've gotten together and chatted about football. But, you know what, I mean, it, it was a different world for me when I was here. You know, I was still a young quarterback, a young kid who's still trying to understand the game still trying to find a place to get comfortable. And, and, you know, you also, as a quarterback, you want to be in that place with people that believe in you and, and give you that opportunity to overcome your struggles and, and learn from that because that's the only way you truly can grow in this game. But, you know, for myself, uh, I was given that opportunity in Canada where guys believed in me and, and they gave me an opportunity to, to, to build my career, not only as a, a man off the field, but also as an athlete, a quarterback, and a leader on the field. And honestly, once I had that belief and I had that support behind me, you know, things just really took off and elevated for myself. And, and you know, we all have that envision that, that we want to succeed as far as that what we're doing and that goal that we want to reach. And thankfully, my game was able to ascend in the right direction and really take off once I went up north and, and uh, you know, got the opportunity to, to show just the gift that God had given. You know, Henry, when, when we look at your resume, it's unmatched by a lot of football players in the U.S. or in the Canadian League. But I would like to know, what, what's the foundation of your resiliency? Well, I, I think there's just that, that inner desire I've, I've had to, to I, I, I guess I might have gotten that from my father. You know, he was a, a, you know, a black man who was, you know, one of, I guess in the area at the time, him growing up, he was one of the top baseball players in the state of Oklahoma, you know, in a collegiate level, and especially in the conference that he played in at Southeastern Oklahoma State University. Um, and, and um, but, 
you know, when it came this opportunity to work out for professional teams, you know, when scouts would show up and they find out that, you know, he was a black man playing on a white team, a lot of scouts turned their back on him. And I think just from having that past being in my DNA now, the never say die attitude. And of course, my father went on to serve in Vietnam after getting drafted into the war. And instead of, you know, spending time buying bars for saying no, you know, he said he would never do that. And thankfully, he went over there for 14 months and came back. And just hearing those types of stories and seeing other people go through different things like that and, and you know, seeing so many different black quarterbacks like Jefferson Street, Joe Gillum, and, and Bernie Custis and so many others who played the game back in the day and reading books about just their journeys. You know, for me, to see those men do the thing that things that they went through or sac- make the sacrifice that they made, and for me to get this opportunity – and just when people said no, for me to sit there and look at it as, okay, no, I can't take it for granted for what they say. I can't let them define my legacy. Only I can define my legacy is finding ways to make myself better, learning from the mistakes I made, and making sure I don't make those mistakes again. Because for me to get to this point, somebody had to put their hand on me and bless me with this gift. And now it's time for me to perfect it the best that I can and give myself the best opportunity to help not only make myself successful, but to make my teammates successful, which for me was even more important. Former Bears quarterback Henry Burris, our guest here on Bears All Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Joining former Bear uh, John Timu, uh, the former Washington star linebacker, as uh, an assistant here for the Bears. This is part of the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship. It's been uh, quite bountiful in terms of numbers of people over the years, Henry, uh, but it's a, it's a great way to break into the coaching ranks and is this a path you'd like to take? I know you're doing media work as well with the Sports Network up in Canada, and you've done some radio and television after your playing career, uh, but is this something you'd like to pursue? Well, it's something I knew at some point I, I definitely was going to get involved in, and it's one of those things where you never know when that you're going to reach that junction on the train, but I think now it's pulled up to the station because, honestly, <laughs> it's happening in this world for a reason, and, uh, you know, and, and it's calling for change, and, and I know now more than ever, uh, more more strong men are out out there are needed to make a presence in young men's lives and 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 for me I've always found a way to do that through the game of football and you know what better stage and what better brand to affiliate with than the NFL and also with the Chicago Bears one of the most if not the most storied organization as far as in all of football and and so for me to have a chance to come out here and start the journey and to show my commitment by going to the NFL Combine and meeting with a number of different. Uh, coaches from different teams and starting that networking and especially being in the league for playing 20 years of professional football as a player you know I you know I've made some great connections over those years and so for people to see that I'm putting that left and right foot forward now to put that effort out there and show that I'm not a guy who's you know banking on the fact of just what my resume is in the past yes I hope that experience show you know creates some comfort in showing that at least this guy you know has been out there he understands the whole ramifications and the process of putting together game plans and X's and O's and all that. But to me, it's about the person that, that I've become, all the things that I've experienced. I've, I've been with good coaching. I've been with bad coaching. I understand what it takes, you know, to help, you know, from a coaching perspective to get through to your players. It's bigger than just sitting in an office. It's all about what takes place outside the office. So to be able to share those things and help impact men is not only becoming better players, but more importantly, better people. Uh, better husbands, better community ambassadors, better fathers. I mean, that's all encapsulated as far as in what coaching does. But also, look at the people you can impact not only in this great great community here in a place like Chicago, but really all over the U.S. Because so many eyes are watching you and your journey, and it's time for us men to make great decisions. So therefore, the ones that look to us, us can follow 
follow in our footsteps and take the baton and continue to run in that next generation. So now you've been in, introduced to the Bears offense a little bit. And throughout all your time in the different offenses you've seen, is there one offense that you played in that resembles this Bear offense or was it all new information to you? Well, it's something that, that actually the last offense I played in, it's very similar because a lot of the concepts are the same and, and it's something just how uh, interconnected, you know, the things that we you know, did in the Canadian Football League and here in the NFL, it's pretty much a lot of the same stuff now. And and uh, pretty much the offense I ran up north was Mark Tristman's old offense. So it's definitely the West Coast style offense that he's been able to build over the years. And, and uh, but then when you look at it, I'm seeing like, wow, hold up, Brad Childress offense is the same as, as what, you know, the, the offense I ran last year, just how the teaching is. But again, the different mechanisms that takes place is mainly through terminology. And that's kind of the biggest uh, aspect of this offense that I have to make the, the adjustments with is making sure I'm speaking the same sheet of music as the coaching staff. But as far as understanding, you know, the read, the footwork and different things that, that, that come into executing this offense as a quarterback, you know, pretty much everything is status quo as far as what I've learned in the past. So it's, it's pretty refreshing to know that all that I've been through is all for none. And now when I'm seeing different things being inserted on a daily basis, I'm like, okay, I remember that play. And then maybe something pops in my head. Okay. But this is what I learned from that play. And so, uh, so, I mean, it's, like I said, it's refreshing and it's pretty outstanding. The fact that, you know, all the uh, experience I'm able to bring to the table, uh, it definitely, uh, I can definitely refer back to that, especially when addressing the coaches or even the players uh, to that aspect. Well, Henry, it's no secret there's a quarterback derby going on here in Chicago. When I look at your stats, 68 rushing touchdowns. You have over 5,000 yards, 5.9 yards per carry. Why is Canadian quarterback so successful? Because Damon Allen is the leader in the Canadian Football League with 93 rushing touchdowns. Why is that such a such a big part of Canadian quarterback play? Well, I mean, I, th- I think the Canadian quarterback was kind of the coming of what is now the the more athletic style quarterback that you're now seeing down south. Um, you know, if you look this past draft, I mean, all the kids, the majority of the kids that were being drafted, even Joe Burrow, they're kids who not only can pick you apart in the pocket, you know, just with their mental progression and understanding how to manage an offense from the pocket, but making good decisions, but also using their feet because defensive athletes, as you guys can see, and Tom, I know definitely you and Jeff can see this, just how much faster and more athletic, you know, these, these defensive linemen are. I mean, you can't be a statue quarterback without an offense, a great offensive line and be able to survive in today's game. And, and uh, it just, it just isn't possible. And I mean, right now the successful quarterbacks are the guys who can drop back and go through their progression, but, really within three seconds, if nothing's there, you need to either use your feet and run for your life or throw the ball away. So it's always a, a major component, especially with that huge field, because down here you got a 52, 53-yard wide field in the NFL. Up there the field is 65 yards wide, and you only have three downs. So you got first down, second down, and if you're not in a manageable situation, the second and short, you're going to be punting on third down. So you have to be very efficient make good decisions but hey let's not get a few guys I, I was slow i was never known as a <laughs> Canada. uh majority of my touchdowns came on one yard sneaks because as you know in the cfl the defensive line is a yard off the ball so when you get to the one yard line our our plunge was just the quarterback keeping it and driving his feet and running quarterback sneaks finding a gap and making sure you plug in there stay low 
and get into that end zone. So that's primarily where all my touchdowns came from. Henry Burris, our guest here, remaining moments with the former Bears quarterback, but more importantly, a Canadian Football League Hall of Famer now makes his home, if I'm not mistaken, in Ottawa. And you fell in love with that place up there. But, you know, what did that one NFL start do for you? How did it manifest itself for the rest of your career? Because you you had to play – with last-minute notice, if I'm not mistaken, John Shoup was the offensive coordinator. We're playing in Champaign at Memorial Stadium. The eventual Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers are your opponent. Wow. I mean, I was <laughs> back at that game, and, you know, after uh, peeing my pants when finding out, like, the day before I'm starting against Tampa, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then you're looking at TV, and people are saying, this is the best defense probably ever in the NFL. And I'm thinking, great, thanks. <laughs> you know, but, but uh, I always ask myself, man, if I could – have known them what I know right now. It have been, I think it would have been a much different game, but you know, especially from a, a confidence standpoint. But uh, you know what? It, it's one of those situations where I always say that, man, I learned so much from that evening, and it's just unfortunate I didn't have a chance to to follow up off of that because, yeah, I, like I turned the ball over, I did those things, but my thing was the moment was bigger than me, and you know, for me, starting my first game in that situation, you know, I felt I should have prepared better. I felt I should have done a lot of things better. Uh, and the moment was too big for me then. Uh, but again, you know, it took those moments to help me grow into the person and the player that I became. And, and I was truly thankful for that. And, you know, that's something I'll always look back on. I'll probably never watch the game because it's one of those things that I <laughs> watching because they're always replaying in my mind. But you know what? That'll be a memory that I'll always hold on to forever. And, and hopefully, you know, if one day I can get a chance to be a coach, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that you know, any young quarterback that's coming up looking for that opportunity, I'll make sure all my quarterbacks are coached up, ready to go just as the starters and that any, you know, you know the, that they can cross their T's and dot their I's so whatever situation that they're faced with, they'll know exactly how to respond because it's all about being confident. If you, you can be confident and rehearse those things mentally when you step out onto the football field, that's the easy part on game day. Practice is always hard. Game days are easy. But for me on that night, guys, <laughs> that was a tough game night. I can promise you that. That's what I definitely don't want to relive again. <laughs> uh, have a great time with the Bears this training camp. And uh, you never know. You never know where the journey takes you. But uh, it's going to be good to see you up here. And thanks for joining us. Thanks, Henry. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And hopefully we can talk again soon sometime. We'd love it. We'd love it. Henry Burris, our guest. Let's take a break here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People who get it, learn more at CDW.com. Jeff Joniak out there here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score on Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy. As we break down the entire Bears team, defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano, Tom talked earlier in the week. First of all, his view of the defense after having a year to get to know his guys, I'm expecting some adjustments. I'm expecting some tweaks. I'm expecting some additions on how he goes about using his personnel. Do you? Oh, 100%, Jeff. I see Chuck Pagano being able to be the aggressive defensive coordinator that we all want to see. If you put all the bodies in place that Chuck Pagano has game-planned without, it's a completely different defense. Just Akeem and Khalil, and now Robert Quinn, backed up by Roquan and, and um, Roquan and Danny Trevathan, and not and, to, and the other guys also. However, the aggressiveness of the upfront personnel can overwhelm a quarterback, and I think Chuck can really capitalize on that. He's got a potential All-Pro safety back there, and Eddie Jackson, Eddie, who uh, is an outstanding ball hawk, he can get off the hash, he can range the field, he can also 
move into the box, as we learned last year, and the question was raised for Pagano if he's going to spend more time keeping Eddie on the back end of the defense as opposed to closer to the line of scrimmage, like was the case often in 2019. You just don't want to be, okay, we got a free and we got a strong, you know, because we just don't want to line up and, you know, Tom Brady comes to town on a Thursday night, you know, and just tell them, you know, because if they turn on the tape and every time we're in single high defense, it's always 39, it's always 39. So no matter what we're doing, if he always ends up there, um, that's not good for our disguise. So uh, he's really good in the deep parts. He's good down low. He's good blitzer. Um, we're going we're gonna to play to his strengths, uh, and we're going to do uh, – we're going to play to all their strengths. You know, and i got to do a better job, you know, as a, as a play caller of, of putting all the guys, all 11 guys in the right spots to make plays. And then as far as, you know, the competition there, um, the, the traits part, I mean uh, – you know, ball skills, uh, you know, anticipation, range. they got to be able to tackle, blitz. We're going to ask them to do a lot of things. So, um, you know, all, all those things we're looking for, they both can do that, you know, Dion and, and Gip. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a great competition, you know. And, and the great thing was Coach, you know, Ryan, Coach Nagy, myself, Sean, uh, when we talked to, to Sean about coming, you know, we laid it out, we laid it all out there, and we talked to Dion. Said, "Okay, here's here's how it's going to roll, and uh, they're going to get equal number snaps uh, with the ones. They're going to have to come in here and, and compete. You know, day after day after day, it's going to be a little bit different, obviously, with no preseason. But we're going to create the competition and create the situations to where um, we can we can do a uh, do a uh, you know honest eval on those guys and give them both an opportunity." you know, win that job. Yeah, so that's Dion Bush and Tashawn Gibson competing for that position at safety opposite Eddie Jackson. Let's take the Eddie Jackson first. How would you prefer to see Eddie used? Exactly how Chuck says. You know, Eddie Jackson is talented enough as a safety where he can play at or near the line of scrimmage. He can blitz or he can play the run. He can play the deep end of the football field and be most preventative against the big play. And he's got really good vision where he can understand his responsibility but kind of keep a little bit of vision on that underneath route. And we've seen him before capitalize on it and take it to the house. All right. Now the battle with Deion Bush. He is now a veteran. He has not had a ton of defensive snaps. He is a special team stud. He does help out that unit significantly, but he, he really feels he's going to get a, a fair shake here against a veteran who's been a ball hawk in his career with 23 interceptions and has, uh, has been to the Pro Bowl. Hey, man, I love identified competitions. I think they're great for a football team because they involve a lot of people. When these guys are competing, they're encouraging the group they're playing with or practicing with to play harder because they're in this battle. And I think that's a positive for the locker room and for the team. So, hey, I, you know, just like the quarterback battle, I'm as excited to see this safety battle and the way it works itself out. Because if I was a safety and had the opportunity to play with this group of pass rushers up front, I'd be licking my chops for interception. Hey, how would you rank all these battles? Give me, uh, well, let's pick five. Because there's, I think there's a good five. There's a good five, obviously, QB. You know, rank, rank the five battles. you got to put QB number one. Are you going to go offensive line, right guard? No, I'm going, that's a great question, though, too. Um, I'm going QB, corner. I'm going right guard, safety. Um... 
Yeah, throwing wide receiver situation. So that's what I you was, know. I was going to say wide receiver, but I was almost going to throw you know candidates in there. But yeah, well, you know, let, let's talk about that because you got Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller should be the two, but he's going to get pushed by Riley Ridley. Uh, you got Cordero Patterson, who they feel is going to get the ball more this year. You got Darnell Mooney, uh, and you got Javon Wims. So there is a battle going on there and how they're all going to be placed. You know, there's, you know, a full buffet of sizes there, too. Again. You're right. From 6'5", to world-class speed, to smaller, quicker guys inside. I, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting portion of it. But, yeah, to me, quarterback and cornerback are one, two. We're going to hear from Chris Tabor on Eddie Pinedo when we come back. But uh, he his first impression was he got stronger. He got more weight on him. It's to sustain himself over the course of a season. and It's all about battling that wind that he's going to encounter at Soldier Field and other outdoor facilities in the in the winter months because he, we know he's got a big leg. He has a big leg, and when things are right, and he, he's always talking about the wind, Pinedo, and now Chris Tabor is as well. Yeah, but you know what? The wind has got to be a conversation for every day. It's not necessarily – you can't talk about the wind in three months today because we, you don't know what you're going to have. I think the biggest thing for us to do is stand in front of Eddie Pinero when he's kicking and listening to his foot hit the football. If you hear that popping sound, then you know there's been leg speed and muscle improvement. Just have to have the direction and the distance my man let's take a break tom thayer with us here on bears all access coming up next we'll hear from some other bears assistant coaches including mike fury and juan castillo it's all next on chicago sports radio 670 the score Hey, Bears fans, it's important to stay connected now more than ever. And at Motorola, we love making that possible with the new Razor. You can enjoy staying connected a little bit more. It's a phone. It's an accessory. It's an icon. Reinvented. Hello, Moto. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score brought to you by IGS Energy. Tom, we're going to start with Juan Castillo, the Bears offensive line coach, on his plans uh, because he was asked, you know, are you going to keep Cody at center? And is James Daniels going to be your guard? If you can play center, you can line up at guard because you don't have to snap the football. I think they're both very talented. I think that Cody had had already lined up at center before, and, and I think they're both are going to have to play center. I think that James can play center if he needs to. I, uh, I like James's length at the guard position. Really, I, I like Cody's leadership at the center position. You know, Cody has already proved himself that he's as versatile as a, a one-snap notice. So you got to grow on that potential, but then you have to really look at what James Daniels is capable of. And if he can have equal value at guard and center, that just increases the value of the offensive line. All right, Mike Fury, Bears uh, receivers coach, talking Anthony Miller. He really feels that the addition of Ted Ginn and the presence of Allen Robinson going to really pay dividends on this kid. It's going to help him grow, and, and I'm, I'm so excited about that because now you have myself – Allen, Ted, and it's kind of like, you know, the lights got to go off eventually. Like these guys are all doing it, and uh, and and he's been he's been so receptive of that already, and so it's exciting. And it's all about being professional. It's being consistently professional and how you go about your day to day work. Right. You know, Jeff, we've watched sports specials throughout the pandemic about players that have been so prepared and gotten so much better throughout their career. They became legends. 
And that's what they're saying about Anthony Miller. They're saying, look, man, you got skill. You got speed. You're a tough guy, and you've already showed it. If you go in there and let the quarterback trust you on every single down you're in there, you're going to see his catches increase dramatically. He certainly has the potential to have a great year. Uh, also, Allen Robinson, you know, you got the contract simmering in the background. He's letting it all play out. He's not letting it bother him. And Mike Fury was asked if uh, this is part of his motivation to have a big year. You just keep playing the game. You know, the th- things keep take care of themselves. There's a bunch of reasons that you and I have no idea about. And so, I, you know, it's hard for me to comment on that. But from a player standpoint, uh, you got you got to go play. Uh, you got to go play the game and uh, let everything fall. And I, I think, obviously, we all know that Allen's a, a, probably one of the best pros uh, that we've ever been around, and I'm sure he'll handle that the same way. You know, Allen Robinson needs to prove nothing to me. I respect him for his work ethic, his uh, rebounding from a knee injury, and how what a positive person he is inside the locker room. All right, let's talk Danny Trevathan. He was uh, on Zoom with media this week on Friday, uh, aiming to hit the restart button, Tom, because – he really was at a high point in his playing, you know, coming back from those injuries a couple of 14 and 16. And then unfortunately they had the season cut to just nine games due to an elbow. Man, I was just getting started. You haven't seen that. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Uh, I, I was just touching the, the, the tip of the bird. Um, I started to feel for the defense. Um, Started to get a feel for that, that that inside backer for the defense and, you know, playing, playing with my guys and understanding. Um, now, you know, I, I understand football so well. Um, I, I, I know how to, you know, play the game mentally and beat people mentally, you know, as, as, as well as physically. So I feel like I was definitely going <laughs> to turn it up a couple notches last year. And – so I, I get excited when he talks like that because he is he is one of the guys that, that puts together the heartbeat of that locker room and that defense. And I, I honestly think he's underrated. If he stays healthy, if he stays healthy, this is going to be his fifth year with the Bears, so he surpassed his Denver career. He wants to be a Bear forever. He wants a Super Bowl. He wants to create his own legacy as one of the best linebackers in Bears history. You know, go to the Bears' website and listen to the entirety of that interview because at one point Danny Trevathan was asked, what do you have to do to get back to that level his first response immediately is i've never left that level i had an injury that was a setback but i'm still playing at the same level that i felt i was getting to last year and i like that about danny come in with that type of confidence and you know who else has confidence right now is running buddy this as a tandem they could be one of the best in the national football league it's roquan smith oh well, i definitely feel like uh the better shape you're in that's the better uh better player you'll be so uh I was definitely thinking coming into the season, I uh, wanted to be this my best year uh, to the day. And so I was just like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to uh, make sure that happened, uh, regardless of how much work I have to put in. So just putting in work each and every day, and uh, that's just uh, tends to uh, what happens when you uh, put in some good work. Good work. I think he said he came in at 234 pounds. He can carry every bit of that. Roquan Smith, if he stays on the field, again, I've mentioned him in, in the same breath as a guy like Luke Keekley with that type of impact to a defense, and I still believe Roquan can have it. All right, so two guys opt out. It's Eddie Goldman and Jordan Lucas. So replacing Goldman, obviously a starter of note uh, for Jay Rogers. Guys, get an opportunity. We've trained Bilal at the nose. We've trained Abdullah Anderson at the nose. We've trained in the past John Jenkins at the nose. 
Brent Urban has never played nose. We're training him at the nose position. We'd like to have options. At the end of the day, what you'd like to have is the best, you know, two, three, four guys out there on the field that you could possibly you know, put out there with the ability to substitute when you need to and not have any drop-off. You know, John Jenkins has kind of been a category of his own in terms of his size and structure. But when he mentions is every single one of those other guys, they can play up and down the line of scrimmage with equal effectiveness. They all have to increase the production of their play. But I think Jay is a good guy for the job to have that group of athletes on the D-line. All right, and lastly, let's uh, end it with Chris Tabor, the special teams coordinator, who's very high on Eddie Pinheiro. You know, anytime that there's other people in your position group competing, it's always a competition. Uh, but at the same time, I think that you have to stay focused on what you're doing, and that's what that's what Eddie's really good at. I'm going to be honest with you. The first day we went out and kicked, and I hadn't seen him kick since the last, since the Minnesota game uh, of looking at you know a bigger and stronger Eddie Pinheiro. Uh, and I was very impressed and just, you, you can tell that, that he's matured, he's becoming more comfortable and, uh, we're not done yet. And he knows he's not done yet. Uh, so we'll ratchet things up in practice and he knows that he has to produce. And I know that he will, because he's, he's just, he's that type of guy. Um, he's done. The nice thing is I, I know, uh, he's done, he's done it once and he had an opportunity there where he, he didn't get it done. And, and those things eat at him and uh, he knows, but the good thing for us is he's been in those situations and we've seen him come through. Now we want to see him take the next step. Uh, and cause he's learning how to handle the win here much better. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm real proud of him, but we do, we, we still have a lot of work to go and there's so much more growth. Uh, that this player can can really take off, and I'm excited to watch where that goes. Yeah, I, I think confidence is a huge part of the battle when you're talking about kicker because you have the experiences at practice of earning the confidence of your teammates on the practice field. You have to transition that to soldier field. But there's also growth expected out of a kicker just like there is an offensive guard. If you were at one strength level last year, we need you to be at this strength level this year, and it's going to be evident when you look at them. All right, Tom, that's all the time we have for you tonight. Uh, thank you, everybody. Jordan Treadup, Dan Barilli, and Henry Burris, our guests tonight, and all the assistant coaches. Those drop-ins really helped uh, create the show for us today. So we'll talk to you next week, Big Tom. All right, Big Jeff. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.